Hello there. We would be honored if you would join us. What is going on? Welcome to Spark of Rebellion, the weekly Star Wars podcast that recaps the news for busy middle-aged people just like me, so that you don't have to troll the internet for all those crazy rumours, you don't have to worry about Mike Zero giving you false information, allegedly false information, about anyone from Disney, and you don't need to worry about whether or not you need to order any more Star Wars merchandise. We've got you covered with all of the good bits. I'm Mark Asquith. With the, I want to say the better looking one from our usual recording crew. But I don't want to put Gaz down because he's a charming looking man. Um, it's you know you just you've just both got good genes, you know. So you get yourself online, have a little look at some of the pictures. You make your own choices. All right, that's all I'm going to say. And Gaz, I know you'll be listening because you're on holiday this week, and uh, I think you're a looker, mate. Don't you worry about it. But. I'm not on my own. You know what I'm like. If I'm on my own, I tend to ramble. I tend to go deep into something. But I wanted to do a news episode this week and keep you up to date on some little goings on. So I've brought on a good friend of mine, someone who's a bit of a Star Wars geek from the OG days, someone that loves his pop culture, someone that knows about podcasting. So he's going to be hilarious. Absolutely. Probably going to sound good as well. It is from all the way over in the Canada it's Mr. Danny Brown. All right, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Thank you very much. And I like how you say OG with a little hint of sarcasm about age there. Nice, nice snippet. No, 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 no. I was saying OG basically because I am the, one of the obsessives. And like when we talked about booking this, you were like, yeah, but I've got to tell you, mate, I don't keep up to date with everything. So I was like, that was sort of my nice way of saying Danny's not read any like the new books this week. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, exactly now i know you posted on twitter the other day you've read 22 and, and none of them were business books or something so i thought oh crap i know i know all that slowed down a lot recently i usually read a lot of stuff but uh all i seem to read is star wars at the minute like no other books which is not a bad thing you know but it, it, it amazes me how many books they bring out do you know what it's, it's like every two weeks there's a new book called at least every month that lands on your doorstep if you're like a bit of a geek like me. I just, I don't know how people keep up with it. I've got to be completely honest. You can see why it's a bit like comics, I guess. You know, if you, if you don't keep up with it just for six months, like there's no way that you're going to be able to really get back into it. It's really difficult, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And it's like that when I, I don't know if it was the uh, Mando series or uh, probably the Book of Boba Fett where there were some characters came in um, and I was thinking, who are these guys? Um, so it's just so far, you know, like you say, there's so much that it's just impossible to keep up with. But um, it, it's all fun now. It is indeed. All right, I'm going to do the, uh, you know, I don't normally do this, but we're going to do some intro stuff in a second because the fans out there don't know you, but they'll love you when they do. So we'll, we'll, I'll get to that in a second. You can tell everyone about what you do because you do a lot of good stuff. Uh, but before I do that to you, the ever-present wonderful Spark Rebellion listener, I just I want to say... If you want to get involved, let us know what you've been doing this week in Star Wars. Let us know at sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Twitter. What have you been up to? You've been Legoing, you've been building, you've been reading, you've been gaming, you've been watching, you've been thinking. Who knows? Let me know, like I said, sparkofrebellion.com forward slash Twitter. And if you want to get involved, just like actually Danny did this week. Thank you very much. I owe you a sticker over on Patreon. If you want to help us to produce this show, you can do so at sparkofrebellion.com slash Patreon. And I'm going to be sending out an email actually next week, just updating you on a few things with regard to the Patreon, uh, with regard to the Patreon, sorry, and just getting some stickers out to people that we owe them to. We've, we've had, frankly, we've struggled because we've, I've said a couple of times, we've closed the bloody office down. I don't know where half the stuff is. It's been one of those really tumultuous times. So I'm really finally getting back on top of that. So I'm going to drop everyone an email next week. So if you do want to get involved, sparkerebellion.com slash Patreon. Now, before we get to the news, Danny, do as the usual. Do it like, you know, when you're on podcasts, on people want to know where they can find you. What's, where can people find you? But what do you do, man? Like, what's the, you're a podcaster, you're a geek like us. Like, what's the sitch, man? Tell everyone about yeah, what you yeah, do like and what you love. Like you say, I'm a podcaster. I've been podcasting a few years now, not as long as your good self, but podcasting a few years. And I currently run three, maybe four. There's two that I run mainly, uh, but there's other ones that I do now and again. I'm um, huge Star Wars fan. Went to see the original New Hope before it was called A New Hope. Um, back in 70, I'm going to say 78 in the UK. 
um, summer 78 it's just crazy and that, that just changed my mind completely what movies could be like that big overhead shot of the Star Destroyer coming in chasing a Tante for holy yep um, very much a geek I love you know just geeking out on other, other shows on Netflix etc i uh, got two young kids who are really into Star Wars my 10 year old daughter watched both seasons of Mando with me and loved it so I'm, I think I'm doing good in the upbringing side of things I think you are doing a wonderful job if that's the case. I completely agree. And uh, it's quite interesting that the generational span of Star Wars, because it gets, you know, Star Wars fans are, are, are divisive at best. You know, we saw it with the prequels, but you know, I'm a prequel guy. I love the prequels just because that was my first, not my first exposure, because obviously I'd, I'd been into Star Wars because it, you just see it throughout your youth. You know, it was just always there. But the first time I was able to... Um, get into it if you like was the prequels and and it's happening again obviously with the sequels and the mandalorian Mm -hmm. and all this other stuff so it's very very interesting but that actually brings us on to our first news story it's sort of a quiet news week this week but we do have a couple of tidbits and the first one is it's one that i know you like danny because you put it in our uh, our work slack over on the captivate slack channel which is we're getting a re-release in 150 IMAX theatres over in the US of Rogue One, which is, it's, uh, I don't want to say it's to celebrate the old release of, of Andor, but it's to, I think it's to, to compliment it, you know, to, like they do like these double releases a lot of the time with movies, mm. don't they? They did like Avengers, um, then Iron Man 3, and we saw like some of the stuff with Batman where they did these double releases. So it looks like they're going to re-release Rogue One, number one, but number two, uh, they're going to give a special preview of Andor during this as well, which is quite badass. It's quite a nice little event uh, to get involved in. So are you, are you up for this? Is this something you'd be interested in taking a look at if you can, if you can indeed make it to one of the theatres? Because it is US and Canada, actually, isn't it? So you might be able to. It is. And thankfully, my buddy um, knows the manager of one of the IMAXs near us. Um, and he gets a lot of private viewings. He got a private viewing of Top Gun, uh, the Top Gun sequel. Um, so there's only him and two other guys in it watching this on IMAX. So yeah, I'm down for that. I'm going to see us. I'm super, super excited about that. That's pretty badass. That is pretty badass. I like that idea. Um, we spoke about this before. You're a big Rogue One fan, aren't you? You enjoyed Rogue One. What, 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 it, what did that, do you think that came from like the love of the, the OG or was there something else in there? Like, What was it about Rogue One that, that you, you enjoyed? I think it was the fact it was such a different movie. Um, it was very much, you can watch it as a standalone. Yes, it, it's great to know what happens and it leads into the start of Star Wars Episode Four, um, and it leads right into it. But it was nice to see kind of the back dirty side of the rebellion and how it really got started and why there were really spies and, you know, questionable motives in some of the stuff that they did, which we learned from Andor, which I'm looking forward to in a series, actually, this sort of grey area where he sort of divides the two. Um, but I think it was the fact that it was just such a different movie. Because um, if I recall, Rogue One came out after The Force Awakens, um, I believe, on the timelines, right? And that sort of divided a lot of people because it seemed like a direct cop-off of the original Star Wars movie. So to get Rogue One was standalone, and it was a, a downbeat movie, really. You know, you cared about the characters, but you knew it was just a one-off. So I think it was the fact that it was standalone and it didn't involve the, the main characters and it was a new adventure. That really sort of appealed to me. Yeah, I get that. And it, it was um, it was interesting to see that because it was sort of like the, after, after Disney bought uh, Lucasfilm, they, they sort of got rid of everything but the movies and the Clone Wars series and started everything else again. Um, and this was like the first connective bit of tissue, I think, for a lot of people as well, because you saw things like, um, we'd had Rebels at that point, as well. So you saw things like the ghost. So there was a couple of little Easter eggs for the diehard. There was like uh, 3PO and R2 were in there. Uh, obviously you got Mon Mothma and, and, and which was um, Genevieve. Um, I forget her name. We'll talk about that in the, sex, in the next story, but um, where it was um, connective of like Revenge of the Sith. And, you know, so they, they, it was the first thing for me that really started to pull this new canon together quite mm. interestingly. Um, and it, it was, it was sort of nice to see that. Although I, this, I'm not sure if even I agree with saying this because I don't know if it, I don't know, but I'll say it anyway and then we'll think on it. But mm. the second time, not the second time, but on a recent rewatch, I found it hard to watch it again. And I don't know if it's because sort of, 
I knew the ending. I, I was expecting the Vader scene, which is still badass. Um, or whether I don't know whether I don't. I honestly just don't know why, but I felt it was just harder to watch. It didn't have that feel to it, even though I love the dark elements, the gritty, like the same reason I loved some of the bits of Solo, you know, the in the trenches stuff. But I don't know. Most recent watch, man. I, I yeah, don't know. I found it hard. Yeah, and I think that's that's like a lot of a lot of Star Wars stuff. And I know we're going to talk about this with the 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 criticism about the universe and the diversity of the Star Wars scripts, etc. Um, but I, I think it is one of these movies. It it doesn't make me blow you away the first time you see it, but you think, oh, this is different. I'm, I can sit down and enjoy this and not have to worry about the history of Star Wars and all that. Um, and then afterwards, as you start to look at the expanded universe, and you've got Mando, you've got Rebels, you've got Boba Fett, you've got Andor, you know what's coming and how it's all meant to be tying together in this big, huge crossover somewhere down the line. I think it is now one of these movies. I still enjoy watching it, um, but I, I completely get it. It's one of these ones where you think, I know the story. I know it's downbeat. I know everybody dies. Sorry, spoiler alert if you've not seen it, but um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, it does kind of lose its appeal a little bit, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is a great movie. I think it's just one of those, you, you see it through a different lens after that first initial wow okay you know it's it's sort of you'll never recapture that i think is what i'm trying to get at with that you know so that is quite interesting um well andor premieres on the 21st of september uh, and, and we'll have a couple of minutes on that actually because it looks i'll be honest man when they announced it along with everything else it was the one that i was least interested in i'll mm. be totally honest but now it's the one I'm most interested in. It looks brilliant. It looks, the, the tone looks great. The, the cinematography looks great on it. Um, the fact it's 12 episodes that spans what appears to be three different time frames, um, each covering an element of the rebellion and the early rebellion from really, really reasonably close after Revenge of the Sith, right up to what looks to be just about touching Rogue One. So I don't know, it just looks interesting. It, it's, it surprised me what I've seen so far. So yeah, what what do you think? How how did you feel about it when it was announced? How do you feel about it now? No, I was like you. I was thinking, oh, they're, they're trying to you know grab a cash cow. They, they knew that this was a popular character, maybe from Rogue One, and he can't use him again because he's dead. So let's get a prequel and let's make some money for Disney. Um, and I saw the first preview, I guess. Uh, I think it was maybe Comic Con last year or something. Um, there was like a really sneak teaser. And I thought, okay, it's, it didn't really show a lot. But then this main trailer that came out, I was thinking, holy shit. And, and like you say, the cinematography is amazing. It, it reminds me of Rogue One where it's expansive. There's a lot of different, you know... Um, locations and it's all shot live on location. It's not using the the technology that's been using um, for Mando and Boba Fett, for example. It's all outdoors or mostly outdoors, and it looks like you say it's spanning a lot of time. So it's going to be. I think it's going to be two seasons. So the first season is the time frame you mentioned, and then the second season leads up to right at the kickoff of Rogue One, um, which is cool. It's, and it's going to be. I'm looking forward to seeing how Andor uh, yeah, moves from where he wasn't really bothered about the rebellion and the empire possibly to where he was willing to give his life, you know, to save the, 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 the rebellion, I guess. So yeah, I think it could be, it's got the potential to be one of the best Star Wars things ever. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that, man. I think it sort of hinges, um, or was maybe catalyzed by that line to Jin. Uh, so, you know, the, just to paraphrase it where it says, basically you've, you've come in and you've started having a little bit of a fight, but we've, some of us been doing this since we were kids, you know? So it mm. feels like there's a lot there to unpack, which probably explains the timings, probably explains a little bit of some of the stuff that we've seen, some of the, um, the clear infractions of people's liberties from by the empire and so on. You, you know, it, it does look very, very interesting. Um, so that's, that's Andor 21st of September. Really looking forward to that one, uh, which leads me on to a story by comicbook.com, which is, this is classic. So this is, it's, 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 <laughs> I don't want to say clickbaity, but it's just funny. You know what it's like with, uh, internet titles. <laughs> All right. So we've got here, Star Wars actress Ming-Na Wen reveals major update for Book of Boba Fett season two. You think this is bang on this? I'll have a little read of this, probably get some updates for it. I'll not read the entire thing, but uh, what I Bollocks. will do is read what... Uh, I know, sorry, <laughs> I was going to do. Um, but I'll, I'll read the bit that they've quoted. <laughs> Second season of the Book of Boba Fett, I hope... And the book of Boba Fett goes on, the star goes on to reveal, I never count my chickens before they hatch because in this business you never know. But knock on wood, they'll be announcing that soon. All it is, she hasn't got a clue. 
So that's the major update. <laughs> you just think, what are you, what's the title of this? Um, it's a laugh. It's a laugh, but I don't know. I don't know if I'm surprised by this. I'm not, I don't know if I'm surprised that they've not rushed to announce it. Um, but yeah, do you think we'll get a season two? I hope so. I know Tamara Morrison said he was disappointed the way they took the character of Boba Fett in the first um, season. Um, we were all hoping to see this, especially after how you saw him introduced back in Mando. And he was like badass when he had the stick, the gaffy stick, and he was just like wiping out the stormtroopers, you know, hand to hand combat. I think, okay, this is who I want to see. Um, and I think it was, it was kind of jarring. I know we've talked about it, um, you know, on Slack, and uh, there's been a bunch of talk online about how it was a slower build than obviously Mando. So a lot of fans were kind of confused. Is it good? Is it not? Is it? Um, was the introduction in Mando in episodes five and seven or whatever he appeared? Did that? Why was that the best part of the Boba Fett series, for example, for some fans? So I'd like to see a second series where it does concentrate more on him getting back to his, you know, his bounty hunter roots, you know, as opposed to this nice guy that lets people live for stealing his bikes and stuff. So I, I hope there's a second season and it ties in more to the bigger sort of whatever this convergence is going to look like at the end of the, the this, this, you know, crossover story. Yeah, I hear that, man. It was such a funny series. It was, yeah. It, like in hindsight, if I didn't really like it the first time I watched it. I thought there was a lot of good stuff in there, but I just thought the pacing was off and the way they tried to approach the character. But then there was a lot of good stuff in that as well, like the psychological side, the psychological change in him. I just thought it was how a lot of how it was delivered was a little mm. bit off. And then I love seeing Luke, I love seeing Grogu, I love seeing Mando, but I just, and, and, and Ahsoka, obviously it just took too much. It just took too much away from Boba Fett for me. So I... I would be interested to see if they do anything, but um, I, I am not surprised that the book of Boba Fett has, 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 has not been announced yet. And it's, it, it's, it's tough, isn't it, when you do something like Boba Fett? It's almost like um, The Last Jedi, which I know we'll talk about later, where everyone had got these massive... I wouldn't say expectations, but they got their own theories on like who Ray's parents were and what was Luke going to be like. And when there were none of those things obviously it's almost like when you said when you read a book and you've got the character in your head and it looks like someone that you think it sounds like someone that you think and then they cast in the movie and it doesn't sound like you thought or the character doesn't look like you thought so you sort of get if you're not careful you get a little bit disappointed and I feel like Boba Fett suffered from that a little bit like people thought oh he's going to be this like you said so I'm in the Mando and it was the gaffy stick and he was badass and he did X, Y and Z and that's Boba Fett of course it is and then he he wasn't you know it yeah. was trying to change his ways and it was done some in some ways it was done well in some ways not so well so I don't know maybe the fans were I don't want to say to blame but maybe our expectations were uh, partly responsible for some of the reactions to that you know because it's so it's so easy for that to happen now I think yeah and I think it's because he's like you say he's one of the OG characters you know from the original trilogy um, so you kind of you've had so many comics and books and stuff like that and then the Mando appearance to build up what your expectations would be like and then it was very different. I did like the um, his relationship with the Sand People. I thought that was really good and how Agreed. he used them to, you know, to become the person he is I guess. I thought that was really uh, well done and I would have liked to have seen more of that as opposed to the, as much as I loved seeing Luke training man uh, Grogu um, and then Ahsoka appearing I would have liked to have seen more of the, the relationship and how that came to pass with the big standoff at the end. Um, but yeah, it's there's, there's potential there. I don't think it was like a, a failure, like a lot of fans are saying. But I do think the need to hopefully listen to Tamora, who's the character anyways, the actor behind it, and he's made him his own, and get back to what Boba kind of is. Yeah, Tamora Morrison's like the busiest guy in Star Wars at the minute. <laughs> he's all over, isn't he? He's mm. everywhere. But uh, actually, probably the second busiest person in all of Star Wars because I think the busiest person is the busiest two people actually I'm going to throw that one out there is probably John Favreau and his buddy Dave Filoni the yeah. uh, guys that are responsible for the Mandoverse online which uh, which pulls over to another comic book.com story actually which is sort of a story this <laughs> time it's uh, he's come out and basically just is it a story he's just basically talked about how 
or everything that they're doing, this kind of Mandoverse, this in-universe, sort of mini-universe, if you like, is, is sort of connected to all the shows they've done, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, um, Book of Boba Fett, Skeleton Crew, and so on and so forth. And then some of the failed ones, you know, the, the range of the New Republic and so on. Um, how they all, how they're all connected. And I mean, it's sort of an answer. You know, he's it's, it's, it's basically said, look, there's a rich tapestry of things that we can, we can, we can explore during that 30 year period after return of the Jedi He's sort of acknowledged that they all take place around the same time. So Mando's five years after return of the Jedi. Um, and I think that's a good time frame anyway, because it's exciting. Luke's still around. He's only probably 30 years old. It's, you know, there's a lot of good stuff potentially there. Um, but he's not really said much else. All he said is that Mandalorian, we introduced some characters, introduced some other characters. We, then let them breathe in other places. This is just paraphrasing, kind of reading between the lines what he said. And it, it sounds like the Mandalorian is sort of the center of that. It's a bit like the old Arrowverse, which mm. was up and down to say the least, where like Arrow was the central point and that sort of fed every, like it brought the Flash in and then suddenly the Flash has got a TV show. feels like the Mando's a little bit like that. And um, whilst I do really like that, because I'm all about that connected mythology, um, it, it's on one hand great, but there is that challenge, isn't there? Like you just said, do we need Luke and Grogu in Book of Boba Fett? You know, do you end up suffering for it? I don't know. I'd, what's your take on that whole, uh, the idea of this connected sort of in-universe universe, if you like? Does, you know, is it great? Do we suffer from it? Is it a bit of, bit of the two? What's the, what's, the kind of, what's the kind of thought from you on that? I think it's it's it works on two levels. Um, works or doesn't work on two levels. Sorry. Um, so for the fans, for like the, the the geeky nerd fans like us, it's great to see all the little Easter eggs and characters and plot points that appear in this TV show that happen in a movie that was made ten years ago, but is in the future of this TV show. It's like it's so it's pretty cool to see that kind of stuff. But sometimes you do think, okay, we know the Skywalker saga, we know. Luke's story, or we, we know some of Luke's story anyway, obviously we don't know about his training of the Jedi, and the, for the movies anyway the period that um, took him from the end of Return of the Jedi to the opening of The Force Awakens what happened to the the Jedi Academy, why did Ben turn etc, but I, I, I do get concerned that it might put some people off because you do have to know a lot of that stuff, and if you're a casual fan it's just like my daughter, she doesn't know some of the stuff and the characters that appear in Mando but she enjoys it because of the storytelling and obviously little baby Yoda stroke Grogu. You know, that's her her jam. But she enjoyed the story and she enjoyed the the characters. So I think it's good that you can have this universe builder, but maybe not get so granular that you need to watch Rebels to know what happens in, you know, to, to know what the ghost is at the end of the the uh, Rise of Skywalker, for example. Why did so many people get excited in the trailer when a spaceship appeared? So I think we just have to be a little bit wary there. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that the big um, litmus test from my perspective is always, it's the same as we talk about in podcast. It's like, it's like the, the mom test, um, which is sort of, for me, it's, it, can my mom enjoy it without worrying about having seen the other stuff? You know, mm. so it, it's like, like you said, it, it, it's, it's, as long as the story doesn't hinge on people knowing these things and that's just a nice to have. So the ghost is a nice to have, but it didn't matter if it wasn't there, you know, and if my mum missed it, the story was exactly the same. It was just us that were like, holy crap, that's the ghost. Um, and I think that's where like the Rise of Skywalker got a little, little bit awry with that. Like why create Exegol? Why not just go back to Moraband or Dathomir or go even back to Coruscant or Mustafar or any of the other Sith planets? You know, I know they probably needed a way to bring Palps back where it was, oh yeah, no one knew that this planet existed. <laughs> so we let's create one that's out of the galaxy so that we can say, no, it was over there the whole time. Like it's just a yeah. daft sort of... That's the outer, you know, outer rim. Yeah. You know what that outer rim is? Yeah. It's outer than that. <laughs> Just keep keep no. going past the outer rim. Where St. Well, used to be then? before the, the roundabout got built. Yeah, it's like, that's what it's like. It's like, uh, yeah, go past, go as far as you can go. Far as you, far as you can go, yeah. Then keep going. <laughs> like, what? What the? Uh, kind of, all right, thanks, Dad, for that direction. Um, 
So I, yeah, it, as, I think as long as the stories don't hinge on those things, I think is 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 the big thing. It, like it's funny as well because Marvel's ruined it for a lot of people. You know, the original success of the Infinity Saga, the newer stuff, uh, is suffering a little bit. I think because of the success of the Infinity Saga, but um, everyone wants this in universe stuff, don't they? Mm. Which is great for geeks, but it it sort of adds another layer of pressure. Like it's got to not, I think for example, like with Andor or Book of Boba Fett, it's got to get itself right, but then it's also get to get ev- all of the other underlying references and subtext and Easter eggs. It's got to get them right as well. Otherwise the whole gets slated. Does that, does that sort of make sense? What I'm trying to get at with that? Yeah, no, it's funny you mentioned Marvel. I think it was, um, was it Spider-Man Far From Home? Um, where he's on the the bus, the school bus, and he's gone over the bridge, and then the big like the eye there, like that big circle. Um, but this is set. I think this is set after Infinity War, where Tony dies, if I recall. But it was a messed up timeline because you didn't know, you know, what was happening. That's why he was sitting down and everything. So I think you have to, yeah, like you see, you have to be careful that unless you know all the story, you follow the comic books and stuff like that. There's going to be points where you miss something, and it could actually spoil your enjoyment of the show and think, well. I don't understand why this is happening. You know, so yeah, I, yeah. I, I like the fact there's universe there for anybody that wants it, but don't force it on people that don't necessarily want to see that. They want to enjoy a sort of saga that makes sense. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. It's, it's don't don't sacrifice the main story. Just not even for the fan service. Um, it's it's more just a don't sacrifice it to try and build a bigger universe. So yeah, I think that's that's important. Um, all right, let's move on to another story, which is actually uh, another one from comicbook.com. They've been uh, you stuff been, been on. No, it's not. It's it's getting it's not rage, ragey stuff. Oh, ragey. <laughs> I know it's not even from comicbook.com. I just forgot to close my tab down. Right, I'm just <laughs> I'm just that internet luddite. Like I'm just my dad now. I'm like tab. I don't know what that is. Is it like a page? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so you remember Mark Ruffalo, he oh, yeah. of Hulk fame. Um, he was just, you know, he was defending some of the Marvel stuff, wasn't he? Just uh, saying that, you know, we've got different tones and it's doing all right. Because there's a little bit of criticism levelled at Marvel for all the stuff they're putting out in rapid succession. And some of it's not been great. Some of it has been all right. Um, so he said that. <clears throat> and, and Big Dave, Big Dave F. Filoni, the man, the maestro, the orchestrator of most things Star Wars uh, right now is just, he's, he's, he's come back and just said, look, you know, again, according to the direct.com, um, just to paraphrase him again, he said, look, that, it, that's sort of not the case, is it? You know, you look at Mando, it's a different tone to Book of Boba Fett, um, to Andor and so on. And I, 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 I have to admit, when I saw the stuff from Ruffalo, I, I was a bit surprised but then I thought to myself, well, no, he's probably just thinking of the films, which you know, mm. typically you would do. But um, I think based on what we just spoke about, in particular Andor and, and even some of the dirt around Rogue One and some of the, the grit around sort of some of the, the, the battlefield scenes in Solo and so on, um, th- there are so many different... Or there are They are trying to get a lot of variety into the Star Wars TV shows. You just can't always do it when you're on frigging Tatooine. Like, that's the problem, isn't it? You know, you spend too much time there, it all feels the same. But I feel like outside of that, Andor might it might progress past that. Obi-Wan, again, another story for later, we'll talk about the development of Obi-Wan, but Obi-Wan got off Tatooine really quickly and it mm. worked much better for that. So um, I think two things to get your thoughts on, dude. Number one, like, how fair was the criticism from Ruffalo, uh, who we all love, and... How, uh, I don't want to say how fair, but how accurate do you feel Filoni's kind of approach to that is? Yeah, I think you nailed it when you said, I think my, Mark Ruffalo was on about the movies. Um, because a lot of the movies, with the exception of the prequels, I guess, are set on Tatooine or a lot of, like a sand desert, going back to Jakku, for example, for <laughs> Force Awakens and such as. Um, and you think, yeah, there's not a lot you can do when there's sand and sunshine and that's it. It's, uh, you know, you can't filter it or anything. So I get where he's coming from, but I think also to your point, when you go outside the movies and you look at Mando, you look at... Um, Boba Fett, you look at Rebels, you look at the Bad Batch, you look at, you know, the upcoming Andor, Acolyte uh, looks really cool. There's like a whole bunch of stuff that I think the, what I like about the Disney Plus, uh, the sort of the Disney purchase, Disney Plus is just part of Disney, uh, what I like about the Disney purchase is they seem to be giving different creators and different directors within a show to imp- 
you know, implant their own version of Star Wars on it. Um, and it's one of the reasons, I can't remember the name, if it was Legends or something, uh, where they got eight different directors to present their little short Star Wars anime, sort of animated uh, versions of events and stuff. Things like that, I think, speak to Dave Filoni's defence, where it is, you know, we can do so much because we're still restricted within... Um, there was a great quote, I think, in that article you mentioned where Star Wars is a galaxy and the MCU is a universe. So it is going to be a little bit more limited and limited characters. But I do feel now that the movies are done and we're looking at the, the new generation of Star Wars on TV, um, there's a lot more diversity, a lot more different feel to each show and each episode. So I'm, I'm Ahsoka, I can't wait to see what Ahsoka does and brings to the table as well. Um, I think that could be really cool, especially if it's true that we're going to get Anakin and Ahsoka while it's flashbacks or whatever. Um, so yeah, I just think there's a, it, it's a, it's a very different feeling Star Wars to what maybe Mark's on about in the, the movie universe. Yeah, I agree with that, dude. I'd be super surprised if we don't see Force Ghost Anakin because the time frame's solid. The, one of the other books out there at the minute, Shadow of the Sith, you've got an Anakin Force Ghost um, helping Luke out, which is a badass scene. If that was on film, people would shit themselves. It's brilliant. I, I remember there was a... I don't know if it was like a fan uh, request or a, a, a script release or whatever. It may have been... Like, the, the original director for... Um, the, the last movie. Um, oh, Trevor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duel yeah. of the Fates movie, yeah. Didn't he have a scene where the Force Ghosts were helping Rey to, to fight um, the Emperor? Yeah. Was that, yeah. It was that scene that? at the end with all the voice, mm, all the yeah. voices. But it, they weren't, they were all people. They were all just the Force Ghosts. And, and they, uh, there was rumour that they filmed that because McGregor was spotted filming and Christensen was spotted there and you're like, you fucks. Oh, man. Imagine you've seen that, you know. I hope Ugh. that gets released as like a bonus with a massive box set or something at some someday. Yeah, me too, me too. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to Ahsoka. I think it will be good. And and you're absolutely right. Yeah, that, that, that article from the direct does mention galaxy versus universe, which is huge. And it does, it makes a great point in there as well that granted Star Wars is sort of a genre on its own, that space opera genre, whereas Marvel isn't a genre. It experiments with genres, you know, the heist film in Ant-Man, the espionage thriller in Civil and... Uh, Winter Soldier, um, the big saga tentpole blockbusters that you see, the more personal stories that you see, um, everything down to sort of Daredevil on TV, and then all these other things that we've seen um, throughout, like One Division and so on. So each one of those seems to be toying with a, a genre, whereas Star Wars is the genre. So that's a mm. really good point in the article as well. I think that's 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 a really fair one. Um, but I think one one TV show that did get it right. Um, is, is Obi-Wan Kenobi. I think we, we universally liked that. I know there were some people that had a little whine about it, but I think that was mainly because it was coming out every week. I think if you watch, when you watch it as a binge, it's just, there's nothing wrong with it at all. It, there's almost nothing that you do differently in my book. Um, so Big Ewan, he's come out this week, according to starwarsnewsnet.com, which is a really hard URL uh, to read. <laughs> He's, uh, he's, he said a couple of things, actually. He said originally there was going to be a story about me, as in Obi-Wan and Luke. Uh, it was always going to be that. And then someone had a bit of a genius moment where everyone went, wait a minute, let's change that to Leia, which I think it benefited from because I thought it was going to be him and Luke right up until the, fact, uh, the second that I turned it on. I was like, wait a sec, this is actually better. I'm up for this. Um, and then he goes on to just talk about working with Liam Neeson, how much of a hero he's been, and um, the fact that over what the last 23 years since 1998, um, 24 years even since this, they filmed it, um, they've just built this friendship up and just how good that is. So, um, yeah, I, I think the interesting salient point out of that is that change from Luke to Leia being the focus. Um, it certainly surprised me, and I I think it was better for it. Um, how do you feel about that? Was it was it a shock to you? Do you, you know how do you feel about that having having watched it? Yeah, it was a bit because um, the only time you, you sort of before the the series came out, obviously uh, the only time you knew about Leah's interaction with Obi Wan is when they got the hologram asking for her help because he once served her father way back in the Clone Wars, and and he was always on Tatooine and 
even Luke uh, knew him as Ben Kenobi. Oh, I wonder who he means old Ben Kenobi out in the sand dunes, you know. Uh, well, sure, like, how many Kenobis are on Tatooine? Yeah, I'm guessing he does mean old Ben. But, um, so yeah, I was expecting Luke. And you saw, I think, in the original previews of the, whether it was like images or tra- preview trailers, Luke playing with the little city biker motions outside, you know, the Lars household. So I did think it was going to be Luke. And then Leia uh, was involved. And then, as you mentioned, it took them off to all different kind of worlds and adventures. And I think it was a richer show for that. And it, it for me, it was more emotional. Um, that pl- that time when they were sat on that little barge and you could see um, Obi-Wan talking to Leia about her mother and how she reminds him so much. And we all miss her. And it's like, oh, heartstrings. <laughs> and I don't mind weeping here. But yeah, I thought it was like a really rich, well done serious done with a lot of love for the original characters and these new like the kids were amazing especially the actress that played Leia I thought she was outstanding and you got the usual Muppets online that gave her a hard time and you know gave the the sister a hard time as well because of the fact that oh no she's black and she's in a Star Wars and she's a strong character and she's a woman what the hell I toxic fans I know you had an episode recently about that yeah, toxic fans are just the uh, the catch-all phrase that I like to call toxic fans are wankers. That's it, <laughs> straight down the line. No point yep. beating around any bushes. It's uh, it, it's fascinating, really, just to 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 see how. I know there's a lot of retconning, and you know, I think you've got to take all of that with a grain of salt. Like him calling him Darth at the end. I said it to Gaz, you know, because that was clearly didn't make no fucking sense in A New Hope when you watch everything mm. else. You're like. That's a title. And <laughs> there's so many ways to like resolve that in your own head. Like in my mind, I was like, Obi-Wan just giving him sass there. It's like, said it to guys. It's, it's, it's like, okay, officer, you know, <laughs> when you really pull out the, I know your job title. Yeah. You know what I mean? Are okay. you real the boss? Yeah, it is. It's sort of, it is. It's a, to me, and that's just my resolution in my head. It's total, clearly rubbish, but it's, um, that's just how you resolve it. And I think that's the beauty of a lot of Star Wars. Like, and just with everything, like, there's so much that we should be filling the gaps in ourselves. Um, and I think that's why Obi-Wan did such a nice job of everything, because it, it did enough to fill some of the gaps, but left some of the gaps unfilled. Like you said that, why did Leia want and, and was so... Um, enamored by getting help from Obi-Wan when it can't just be because Bail Organa said in Rogue One, I've got someone that'll take the message to him, mm. you know? So it's, it's that even adds gravitas to that because it's like, well, wait a sec. Of course he's going to send Leia because she's adept, she's capable. And if, if Ben ever sees her, he will instantly do what they want because he said it at the end of Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. If you need me, I'll be back. And that was the journey that I'm not getting involved to let me get involved. And so it was just, it was just very gracefully done. I thought, dude, um, you know, but fans can be absolute assholes sometimes. Yep. Yeah. The, the fact that it wasn't Luke's story because we all want Skywalker story again, <laughs> which I guess it was cause it was Leah's, but yeah, I, I loved it. I thought Obi-Wan was amazing. Mm. I did, man. I did. But actually this is, uh, we should be in podcasting cause we're very good at linking between stories. Mm. Um, that leads to the Den of Geek story that we're just about to talk about. Now, this is a bit of a weird one because I sort of want to talk about this and, and report on the story, but at the same time, I don't want to give spoilers out. So there's a new book called Princess and the Scoundrel, uh, which is on my kitchen table. It follows um, the immediate aftermath of Return of the Jedi, the, the marriage of Han and Leia, the conception of Kylo Ren, bit much, and just really, it, it, quite, quite literally immediately after Return of the Jedi. Um, we might find out how Vader's helmet got taken somewhere else ready for The Force Awakens. Maybe we'll, maybe we won't. For now, for now, um, Vader's helmet. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta polish that shit. Um, so it does, it does, um, I don't want to go too deep into this really because mm. of, it will be spoilers for people yet to read that book, but it is online if you want to read it. It's in the show notes, thanks to uh, Dynamic Show Notes Building. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, Captivate.fm. And it basically talks about how these books now are starting to set up the sequels. And I talked about this before with Gaz, where they've got the sequel movies out and they're now retconning to, 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 to kind of fill all the gaps, which I know they've done before. They did it with the prequels. They've done it with like Rogue One. You know, Rogue One has several prequels. It's got Andor, it's got um, Catalyst, a Rogue One story, which is 
a prequel to the prequel to the prequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's a prequel, basically. Rebels is a prequel. You know, Clone Wars is a prequel. So you've sort of... They're always retconning. But um, the sequel trilogy is getting a lot of it at the minute. So it's got Shadows of the Sith, which brings in... It's the book um, that we're currently on, which is bringing in Okia Bestoon. It's bringing in Lando's daughter's kidnapping. It's bringing in Law Santeca a little bit more from The Force Awakens. It's bringing in um, Luke and his Jedi Order and Kylo Ren being a sort of anxious 17-year-old. Um and they're doing it again with this princess and a scoundrel because they're saying that these little events turn people into the people we see later. Mm. And the big one, the, the point of this story and all that kind of bluster is that this seems to set up Luke's journey to being the Luke that we saw in The Last Jedi, which was a bit of a pissed off hermit Jedi that not a lot of people liked, including Mark Hamill. Um, but they're retconning it. They're trying to justify it. Um, so like I said, I don't want to read this out. Normally I would do, but it's such a new book. I don't want to spoil it. Um, but it really is just a case of Luke sort of deciding to pull away from his Republic duties to follow, you know, how to become a better Jedi and finally acknowledging Yoda's dead. Mm. I know I'm a Jedi Knight, but I sort of feel like if I was a Jedi Knight way back when I'd have had a lot more to do. I would have had a lot more training. I'd have probably had to pass the trials all. So it's just alluding to the fact that, or the thing that we all say, which is how did you get that good that quick? Um, so it's, I think the discussion point on this for me is more around the fact, um, how, well, how do we feel about the making the square pegs of some of the sequel trilogy stuff fit by shaving off the edges and making some new holes for them to go in? Like how, as someone that doesn't generally keep up to date with all the books, cause there's that much of them and just generally looks at the movies. Like, how do you feel about all that? Cause there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. And I think that goes back to what we were saying earlier, where it's, it's nice to have that information for the fans that want to get the full backstory, because there was a huge change from End of Jedi, where it's all happy. You know, Han and Leia's got together, looks super happy, apart from his dad dying. Um, but everybody's like, it's a victorious scene. And then you, you get to, you know, not so much The Force Awakens, but definitely The Last Jedi, where he's like really bitter hermit that is pulled back from the Force. Leia and Han aren't together or are they together and it's like so there's clearly a lot happened in that time frame so I think it's great that there's opportunities there for you know writers and comic book uh, illustrators etc to, to fill in that um, as long as it's done and it makes sense you know because it's it, it's like it needs to make sure that we understand why Luke turned into such a horrible person in The Last Jedi and why Kylo well why Ben turned into Kylo and got the Knights of Ren and all that stuff um and it kind of makes me think a little bit about, you know, I know, like, we go back to the prequels and Anakin had to leave his mom and his mom got killed by the Tusken Raiders. But did that really, like, turn him so easily into being accepting of the dark side when he got presented with it? There was, to me, that was a big jump in the prequels, you know, from going to this kid and young t- teenager into this, like, baddest ass in the galaxy. So I hope they do it in a, a good way. I'm sure they will, um, but it makes sense to what we see down the line. Yeah, it's such a difficult one. And I was saying to Gaz last week or the week before, I've got so much more forgiveness for the prequels retconning through books because I agree that first, that fall in Rise of Sky, uh, Revenge of the Sith, you're like, whew, holy crap, that took a turn. Right. That was quick, but then you, when you watch the Clone Wars, you read some of the books, you're like, it wasn't, it was the chipping mm. away of it. And you just got to feel that if Yoda had just said, you know what, you'll be all right. right? Just knock about with Padme. You're still going to be a really bloody good Jedi. Probably the best. You you know, crack on. And then it comes out more that Obi-Wan had stuff with Satine Cries mm-hmm. on, on, on Mandalore. And, you know, it, it's, it's fascinating. And I think <clears throat> that whilst I didn't like Luke's attitude, I think there's opportunity in The Last Jedi, uh, I should add. Um, for me, when he started saying things like, this is what, when Luke literally says the words Darth Sidious, you're like, holy fuck, that's the first time that they all connect. Like yeah. the prequels do connect to Luke Skywalker. Holy crap. Um, I think there's so much scope there for them to show Luke learning how wrong the Jedi were and the hubris that they found, you know, or the hubris situation that we're that we're in during the prequel era where they just become this almost feeling like they were a little bit untouchable and so rigid mm. in their views. Um 
I think, I, I hope that they explore that, that then, it's bad to say that they've got to justify it because it's such a retcon, but that it does justify why he was so far away. Because for him to walk away and not help his sister and Han, like, that is not a Luke thing. Yeah. Um, and it's, and to kind of cast away being a Jedi and all that, you, you've got to wonder, are they going to show that he learned that much about the utter fuckuppery of the <laughs> Jedi Order during the prequels that he was just like, that was... If these rules mean that, then I'm out, you know? So, I don't know. It's, it's Either way, it's going to divide fans, isn't it? That's the problem. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm wondering if, like, whether, you know, we see, we've got Ahsoka coming, obviously, um, and I think there's a lot of opportunity there to show further development of why Luke became who he is. Ahsoka's a great example. You mentioned about the, how strict and rigid the Jedi Order is, and Ahsoka brushes that off and she's I think that's why she's so popular is because she's got Jedi power she's got the force but she's not a Jedi and that famous line I am no Jedi you know it's like oh okay that's that's like a, that's my ringtone um, <laughs> but it's uh, yeah I think there's um, there's definitely scope to show what happened and the Jedi weren't this you know these knights in shining armor the old school Jedi were way back you know in the old republic but now you've got to the stage where that you've got the empire and the rise of you know the first order and the new stories and how that affected them I think there's a lot of cool stuff that we could see I agree my man I agree completely I could talk about that all day it fascinates me but alas we must get to time so I'm going to actually finish up with these two stories together because they're sort of the same story, which is something from Star Wars is for sale. Um, so they're both actually from Sky News. I, I sort of feel like someone got given one story at Sky and then was like, I, about, I can make two stories out of this. <laughs> this is repurposing. This is what this is. So we've got a couple of things. We'll start with the things that uh, we could probably afford, which are the original posters from, well, from our perspective, the ones that we're talking about, Empire Strikes Back, but also Goldfinger, <laughs> classic. Um, so they're going up for sale. Uh, inevitably, things like this come up all of the time. Um, but this is to coincide with what appears to be the 60th anniversary of James Bond. We, well, they reckon, the prop store uh, salespeople, um, reckon that the James Bond one is going to go for between four and six grand and the Empire Strikes Back one about about five grand. And there's also a pretty, a pretty badass 1966 Batman poster. Oh, the first West. ever. Yeah, which if I was going to throw any money at these posters, that's probably the <laughs> one that I'd get, if I'm honest with you. Um so yeah, a bit of bit of OG memorabilia there, dude. Is that uh, that's something I think we'd like to get our hands on, isn't it? Oh, I'd love to. I, I put that um, put that photograph in uh, the Slack, the Nerd Slack channel of the guy's basement, or walk downstairs to the basement and on the roof uh, or the ceiling, he's got the scroll from the the you know Star Wars New Hope, and then all lining his walls, he's got a whole bunch of Star Wars posters and stuff. I like I've got uh, my wife's a huge, uh, or she was a huge Twilight fan, so she got a bunch of movie puzzle posters and put them together and we hung them up in our sort of movie room if you like so i'd love to get something like that yeah it'd be it'd be awesome yes it would there's a few others on there as well so there's the batman one there's the empire one there's the bond one and a couple of other ones bride of frankenstein <laughs> hey you know which a, one a i would like actually but it's a little bit out my pay grade is um when return of the jedi came out originally it was going to be called revenge of the jedi and then I'll say uh, Lucas yeah. said revenge isn't a Jedi thing, but there was some posters printed with Revenge of the Jedi in the, the, the red background, and they're going for about fifteen thousand at the minute. That would look badass, though. That's one of those things where you get your nerd points as well. So, like, mm. if I saw it, I'd be like, "Dude, holy crap!" Anyone else saw it, they'd just be like, "That's a cool Star Wars picture." Yep. You know what I mean? It's that, isn't it? It's that level of collectible where if you know, you know, and if you don't, it's just a picture. Yeah, exactly. It still looks nice, but no, you know about the title and the reasons. Yeah, I love it, man. Well, speaking of uh, things that are out of pretty much everyone's pay grade, um, <laughs> they found the previously assumed missing blaster as uh, 
I shot first or shot second by Han Solo in A New Hope. So it's the original one that they found at, uh, according to Sky News, Rock Island Auction Company. And they're putting it up for sale. It's the um, it's the sole surviving one, apparently. I don't know how true that is. The sole surviving one. That's going up for uh, sale. And they reckon, they reckon that the DL44 Heavy Blaster is going to fetch between a quarter... And a half a million dollars, uh, which is mental. Good grief. I'm going to have to sell some more affiliate stuff for that one. Did <laughs> it just, yeah. <laughs> but I guess that was before yeah. they started collecting it. And like they've got the, obviously the museum, at, or the, they had the museum at Skywalker Ranch, etc. I guess that's before they really started, you know, um, Compart- not compartmentalizing, whatever. Anyway, they started keeping them all together, and you could go mm. walk around the Star Wars museums and everything. Um, so yeah, I could, I could totally see that that one gun. If it's the real deal, you know, we'll probably find out <coughs> in five years' time. Nah, it's just a three D printer, mate. Yeah, there you go, done. In it. <laughs> Sorry, I said a bloody frog in my throat. Then yeah, you're probably <laughs> right. It'll be some guy that's three uh, D printed it, and he's like, he's got a design online. <laughs> Thought to himself, hang fire. I can probably do this. We'll uh, we'll get it. Stick it in the garage. Let it age, let it rust, mm-hmm. let it get all beat up for two years. And then he's like, oh, look what I found. <laughs> Anyone want to auction this for me? <laughs> Good old, is it Sotheby's it's gone up on? Is that what they're doing it? Yes, I think it yep. is. So there was, yeah, there's the, yeah, because yeah, there's the, the, yeah, the props guy from the other store. I think they're involved with it as well. There's a few other things as well in there that they inevitably find. And the, these are always lots of things, aren't they? Mm, yep. um, so we'll see what that goes for. They'll report on what that uh, ends up going for. But that is a wrap for this week on Spark of Rebellion. Spark of Rebellion. Got to stick that music in there. And I can see that there's three minutes, 45 seconds of it. I like to run Gaz to the wire on this music. You know, I make a little bit of small talk at the end. You can see him sweating more and more and more as we, see, we as we get to the end of this one. But we've got three minutes. We can keep going. So, listen, thank you so much for joining us here on Spark of Rebellion. If you want to get involved, sparkofrebellion.com slash Twitter. Tell us what you think. Are you going to be buying yourself a DL44 Heavy Blaster or indeed one of those badass posters? And what do you think? about Luke's divisive turn to grumpiness in The Last Jedi. Can it be justified through all this new written material? Danny, pleasure to chat, my man. We'll have you back on, and thanks for supporting the show. Yeah, it's uh, I always like to talk Star Wars, so to do it with someone that I see pretty much every day as well, it's always a pleasure, dude. So thank you for the time, sir. Thank you for having me on and looking after me because I'm not a book reader. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey. Hey, I'm only a book reader because I get obsessed. I'm like, must have the books. And then I struggle like hell to read them. Um, But no, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Gaz will be away next week as well. He is at Podcast Movement over there in that there, Dallas. So I'm either going to be flying solo or may get another special guest on. I've got a couple of people in mind um, that I think are available. So we shall see. But Danny... Until next time, sir, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Adios for now. Take care. Thank you. And for you, the ever-present wonderful listener, have fun, stay safe, and remember, the Force will be with you always. That was very English. Always.